horizon is wide and the highway is calling. That means it's time for another episode of American Road Trip Talk. I'm your host, Gary Mance, with a welcome and an invitation to travel the byways and back roads of yesteryear, searching for America in every incomparable mile. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen. Always happy to have you with us. And I speak on behalf of Eric Ryder, our fine producer. He's at the board with me. We're going to be taking a trip. What could sound better than a trip to Point Pleasant, West Virginia? It's a very storied town. There is history there. There is folklore. And maybe you didn't know much about it. Maybe some people still don't. And that's why we're doing this show today. Point Pleasant, West Virginia became an epicenter of intrigue in 1975 with the publication by a deceased author. We honor his memory. This guy, nothing scared him. Believe me, John Keel was his name. And he came out with a very famous book called The Mothman Prophecies. If you're not so much of a reader, but you love a good movie, you may recall the Richard Gere movie. It was called uh, The Mothman Prophecies, and it was inspired by that novel of John Keel's. It came out in January of 2002. And ever since, Point Pleasant, West Virginia has been the home of Mothman, all the folklore surrounding the Mothman prophecies. But there is a lot of early American lore as well. We're going to get into as much of it as time will allow. Happy to have you with us. This is American Road Trip Talk. We'll be tripping off to Point Pleasant right after this. Have you listened to American Road Trip Talk yet? Feedspot.com has a team of over 25 experts whose mission is to discover and rank the most popular blogs, podcasts, and YouTube channels in several categories. At the end of 2020, Feedspot updated their survey of the top 20 road trip podcasts. Guess what? American Road Trip Talk finished the year at number one. Many thanks to the pros at Feedspot.com for the honor and to you, our loyal listeners. There's no way we could have done it without you. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine with all your itinerary. We could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please, get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash 1150KKNW. Welcome back to American Road Trip Talk. Today, we're going to be speaking once again. They're getting to be veterans of this broadcast, Tanya and Joey Medea. They are the authors, most recently, of a book called Roommates from Beyond, how to Live in a Haunted Home. These folks are very serious-minded chroniclers of the paranormal, or as I like to say, if it's eerie, they are on it and always enjoyably for our listeners. Welcome back to Trip Talk, Tanya and Joey Medea. Thank you, Gary. It's a pleasure to be here. Congratulations on your number one. Yes, Why, thank congratulations. you. And we were quite surprised. We didn't know that anyone was tracking it independently and they let us know. So we thought, well, we might as well mention it and say thank you. Oh, <laughs> yeah. We are delighted to have you back, particularly in regard to something that continues to stir the imaginations of people around the world. But if you can get to it here in North America, Point Pleasant, West Virginia, it seems so bucolic, so pastoral, and yet it has quite a history, at times a violent history, and certainly a scary history when it comes to the Mothman 
prophecies and all the folklore surrounding it. They even have a museum there. Why don't we get started with you, Joey? I referred to you in promoting this episode, you and Tanya, as being Point Pleasant pilgrims with plenty to share. And I think that's based largely on the fact that you haven't been there just once. No, not at all. Probably, if I had to do the math in my head, we've probably been there about 30 times. Seriously? Um, I was going to buy into a dozen. 30? Wow. (laughs) Oh, no. Uh, Going back to 2009, we we went there because of the film that you mentioned in your opening, uh, The Mothman Prophecies. Uh, We had bought some acreage in West Virginia, and Tanya said, look, it's only three hours away. And I said, I do not want to drive three hours to go to something called the Mothman Museum. So she kept on me for a year. And now, yeah, I bet you we go at least three times a year uh, for the past 11 years. And Tanya, you're not just going along for the ride. You and Joey are among the cream of the crop, as far as I'm concerned, for people who investigate the paranormal in an ethical and very authentic way. You don't want to be associated with anything that cannot be verified or at least argued from a realistic point of view. Exactly. You know, so many people in the town of Point Pleasant, going back to 1966, uh, had experiences that you know, are unexplainable. And, you know, we, we've talked to some of those people, we've certainly read the accounts of, of all of them in John Keel's book that you mentioned. Um, And we've experienced things for ourselves on many trips there. Such as? Such as uh, our first visit there in 2009, Joey and I had driven out to what's called the TNT area. It's actually the McClintock Wildlife Preserve now, but uh, called the TNT area because back during World War II, they were making and storing munitions out there. So we had gone out there because that was the location of the original Mothman sighting. And we get out to this lovely wildlife preserve and, you know, it's it's beautiful and you think it's a sunny day that that you'd be enjoying nature and feeling at ease but that was definitely not the case from the moment we stepped foot at the uh, wildlife reserve we felt uneasy we felt like we were being watched Um, we had plans to explore the area but we ended up only staying about 15 minutes And uh, we left because we just felt so uneasy. And on the way back into town, we saw something that we still aren't quite sure what it was, but something um, just materialized on the left-hand side of the road. And in a single bound, leapt across the road in front of us, landed on the edge on the other side of the road, and just vanished. So I'll let Joey talk a little bit about what that looked like. Right. To just go quickly, we, we when we got back to town, we realized that we had lost two hours of time, classic missing time. And for years, it was there was a lot of interest in what we saw. It's how we met great paranormal investigators like Rosemary Ellen Guiley, who took us under their wing, especially Rosemary. Uh, and it really started our journey as as paranormal investigators. But just this past year, and remember, Gary, you asked what we encountered. Um, We both underwent hypnotic regression uh, and had some kind of weird alien contact during that two hours of missing time. Um, And we have just been hooked and fascinated by Point Pleasant um, for lots of reasons since then. Stories like that abound. 
And we're talking about a town, Point Pleasant, West Virginia, which has barely more than 4,000 citizens. Uh, the residents uh, actually have dropped off between censuses, uh, it seems. So now you're talking about a small town, big time folklore, lots of mystery and lots of history. And all of that attracts people, throngs of them each and every year. Absolutely, it does. I mean, the Mothman Festival is tens of thousands of people. It's every September. It's the 20th one this year. But in watching it the past 11 years, uh, you would see people always in the summer. Then you would start to see the fall and you would see earlier in the spring. Now, even when you go there in the winter, it's hard to get a parking place sometimes uh, because the town has, as we'll talk about with you this half hour, it's not just the paranormal. It's so much history for such a small place. And that includes, yes, thank you for framing it that way. It's important to do so to give this town its due. I did a real little reading of it in preparation for this episode, and I discovered that it has rather a violent historical past in early America in the 18th and 19th centuries. For example, the Battle of Point Pleasant, that is commemorated there, and it was very significant. It even included the capture of a Shawnee chief, Cornstock, who was imprisoned and ultimately murdered there, I'm sorry to say. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, there's some lore around that. Uh, the, it's said that as he was, uh, right before he was shot, Cornstock placed a curse on the town. We, what, Joey did some research on that and was able to trace it back to a play, actually. Uh, we don't believe that he actually put a curse on the area, but uh, certainly a lot of people, I think over the years when they were having those experiences and with the collapse of the Silver Bridge, people would attribute it to that curse. Am I correct in saying that the site of that battle or the fort where the battle was being waged is now the site of the town itself? It, it is. So just a real, real quick uh, history lesson. So Point Pleasant was named as a settlement in 1774 and is absolutely beautiful. It's at the confluence of the Kanawha and Ohio rivers, which is very important. Um, what led to the Battle of Point Pleasant was land disputes between uh, the Crown of England, right, George III, the royal governors of Pennsylvania and Virginia, the Iroquois Confederacy, the Shawnee, the Mingo. This was beautiful, fertile woodland, and everybody wanted it. So readers, um, or listeners rather, need to keep in mind that there was no West Virginia until 1863 during the U.S. Civil War. So this was all part of the vast expanse of Virginia um, and highly, highly contested land. So the fort was in that area. Now there's a replica fort. Um, they do frontier days. So that's something to check out when you go to Point Pleasant's Fort Randolph. And where the monument is and where the battle was on the river is called Two Indy Wee Park. That's Wyandotte for... Um, where the rivers come together, or where the waters mingle, or where two rivers meet. Um, and that's a little bit of the context of, of that violent part of the history of Point Pleasant. Well, thank you for that. In addition to which, there are state parks in the area. Oh, yeah. It's beautiful. 
Oh yeah, uh, the entire area there. There's several state parks uh, to visit there in the town of Point Pleasant itself because it is right on the Ohio River. Uh, there's this amazing river walk that you can enjoy, and along the river there's a big flood wall there, and they've spent uh, so many hours putting up these beautiful murals that depict the history of the location and of the town. There are statues. Um, there's actually a speaker system uh, in the summertime as you walk. The uh, history of the murals is um, broadcast through the speakers. And then at the end of the walk is, as Joey mentioned, the Two Endy Way uh, Park there. The Mothman Festival itself seems interwoven, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm trying to pick through this with you folks. In 1967, there was the tragic collapse of the Silver Bridge, resulting in 46 deaths. My understanding is that whether this is matter, a matter of pure folklore or whether there's a historical connection to this, the Mothman prophecies seem to entail that this Mothman creature shows up as a harbinger of imminent doom or disaster. Was that connected to the Silver Bridge disaster? It, it, it was, Gary. Um, you know, the Silver Bridge, whatever we do as folklorists and paranormal investigators, we look at the mundane, but we also look at the spiritual and the larger mythology and all of that. So Mothman is categorized by some people. First of all, when you say Mothman, you're talking about something between six and seven feet tall with a 10 foot wingspan, a humanoid body form and glowing red eyes that were said to be hypnotic. Um, it had a squeal like a mouse in pain, which is hard to imagine. But hundreds of people saw this thing. It seems to be in a category of something called the Garuda. And the Garuda is this worldwide folklore. It comes from culture after culture of these Garuda, these bird-like humanoids showing up to portend disaster. There were reports of dreams of the Silver Bridge happening. Uh, John Keel got some information that there was gonna be a great disaster on the Ohio River. They thought it had to do with an electrical plant. And there is some lore when you get really down deep in it that people saw the Mothman on, on the bridge just prior to the bridge collapsing. Now, the mundane explanation is the Silver Bridge for matters of cost and going towards some innovation. It was called an I-bar bridge, and it was just kind of a bad design that didn't change with the times. And as trucks got bigger and heavier, it put too much of a weight load on it. And through some deterioration, one of these I-bars broke. And the design was such that it folded in upon itself the way it collapsed. Um, and it was all over in about 90 seconds. The whole thing was gone. So that's the, that's the tie-in. It was exactly 13 months, that oftentimes unlucky number, from the first reported encounters with Mossman until the collapse of the bridge, 13 months to the day. That just gives you a shiver thinking about that and never to make light of anything that could cause 46 humans to lose their lives. And people do wonder, how did this happen? There is the mundane explanation. And yet people, many of them, a hundred or more, I guess, have, have reported, no, this is something, and they're not practical jokers. They saw something that terrified them. They gave them this, 
this sense of something paranormal going on. In reading up a little bit about it, I wanted to let you know, Tanya and Joey, that, of course, I live in Florida, as you know, and at least one skeptic opined that really all people were seeing was a wayward sandhill crane somehow <laughs> lost its way. They're, they're common in Florida. They come once in a while in my backyard. You can hear them in our neighborhood before you see them. They're very loud and they don't sound like any mouse that I ever met. That's for sure. There, but they're saying, oh, well, it was a kind of bird in the wingspan and that, that fits the known facts. And probably not whatever it actually turns out to be. And so this mystery endures. In fact, there I was able to grab a picture to use in promoting this episode here of the Mothman statue. It's quite an imposing figure that welcomes people to the town if you dare. Yes, that statue was uh, created by, he's now deceased, but a Point Pleasant resident, Bob Roach was his name. And that was commissioned by the then uh, head of Point Pleasant Main Street, Charles Humphreys. And Charles Humphreys, we can't talk about Point Pleasant and not mention Charles. His contribution to the town uh, was amazing. But yeah, the imposing statue is, um, well, now he's a huge draw. Everybody has to get their photo taken with the uh, Mothman. Um and he's just such an integral part of the main street and the downtown. And it's great to honor the past there and to do it in a way that allows people to come and discover this town, which, as I say, is still a small town, smaller, perhaps in population than it was a decade ago. And yet mm -hmm. here are these thousands of people that come there in search of something out of the ordinary. I'm sure that they hope for a sighting. I don't think they necessarily have the kind of have had the kind of experiences that the two of you have, but maybe you two are magnets for that sort of stuff. It's it's in your line of work, shall we say? Yeah, <laughs> it's definitely true. true. But uh, at any given time, down in the TNT area, where these uh, interesting structure, there's so many layers. Says there's these things called the igloos. They are concrete igloos and they were used to store the TNT that was manufactured at the two plants there plus there was an ordnance works and that shape that dome shape was very easy to cover over with earth um, in case there was a flyover by the enemy they wouldn't know of course what a disaster if you were to bomb you know a TNT holding place so in the 1960s that was very much the epicenter of the sightings and people still go down there because what's interesting, Gary, is it's it's John Keel talked about high strangeness. This place is the epicenter in the mid Ohio Valley and the mid Ohio Valley is arguably probably in the top three of high paranormal hotspots. But there were men in black for people who are um, familiar with that walking the streets of Point Pleasant, going in and talking to journalists and acting weird and stealing ballpoint pens. And there were UFO sightings, tons of UFO sightings, strange lights. So the idea is that maybe this little town of 4,000 people is some kind of portal to another dimension. I mean, talk about a tourist destination. <laughs> Well, that's right. If I ran a museum there, or if I were with the Chamber of Commerce, I'd be saying exactly that thing. <laughs> yeah, and they do. A lot of them do. Um, and some of the population don't want to talk about it. You know, you alluded to the fact that maybe it was a misunderstanding. You know, like, remember the UFO flaps in the 1960s and Heineck and these other guys were pressured. It was swamp gas. It's a temperature inversion. 
uh, no, this craft landed, <laughs> you, you know, and it was not swamp gas. It was a craft. So when you're talking about, and I think it was Ohio University, a mm -hmm. zoologist, um, when you're talking about sandhill cranes, when people are talking about a six to seven foot tall, 10 foot wingspan, black thing with glowing red eyes, um, you know that there's denial there. There's this uh, uh, not wanting to have this kind of thing in their quiet little riverside town and i can understand that i know from personal experience that if you are and i've been fairly close to them as they were feeding on lawns in my neighborhood if you get near a sandhill crane it's aware of you doesn't mean it's going to be frightened off they're there to eat frogs and whatnot there's no mistaking the fact that you're dealing with a species of bird. It's a subtropical bird. It would be strange to see one in West Virginia. Yes, that's true there. But what I mean to say is that when I have been around sandhill cranes, I know I'm around sandhill cranes. There's nothing that would give me goose flesh and have me running for the hills there because I encountered it. And other than them being loud, they're not particularly scary. But these people report being truly terrified. Yes, in fact, the, the first sighting that was reported, there were some previous sightings, but the first really famous sighting uh, was two couples out at the TNT area. And after they saw this creature, it followed them at speeds almost, you know, 100 miles per hour. It stayed right above their car. And I don't know of any Sandhill Crane that can keep up with, you know, 100 mile an hour racing car. No, and nor would it, be as, it wouldn't be as aggressively interested in humans either, for one thing. Exactly. They're, to be in pursuit. No, I wouldn't imagine that would be the case. No, and you know, Gary, a couple of days after that initial sighting by the Mallets and Scarbers, a woman named Marcella Bennett was visiting some family, and she had her, her baby. Mm -hmm. She dropped the baby when she saw this thing. To me, as an investigator... When you're looking for sincerity, when you're looking at things that clue, you, you know, like you said, like people had said giant owl or sandhill crane, you don't drop your baby as a mother with strong maternal instincts. You don't drop, literally drop your baby in the driveway when you see a sandhill crane or you may clutch your baby tighter and get spooked. Certainly. So, so that is an anecdotal factoid that you just go, no, 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 something was going on here. And what, what could these people gain? Tanya and I have talked to witnesses. We've seen them present over the years. They have gained nothing from this except oftentimes ridicule, mental illness, broken marriages, having to move from the town. That becomes very important in these discussions. Indeed, it does. And for those who are intrepid, who want to go to a beautiful part of our country, Point Pleasant, West Virginia, there is Mothman and more. And part of that annually is the Mothman Festival. You folks have been there. What sorts of things go on? It seems like a town-wide celebration. Oh, it is. It's uh, it's just an amazing event. There are vendors, many, many vendors all along the main street. People line up. This has been amazing to see over the past several years. People line up to go into the Mothman Museum, which in and of itself is just an amazing attraction. Highly recommend it. But uh, there's you know, all kinds of amazing food, all, any kind of cryptid, um, anything that, that you could be interested in is there. And then, of course, there's always speakers. Um, 
all kinds of speakers talking about everything from ufology to cryptids. It's really an amazing event. Really? Um, some of the biggest names in the world. And then there's tie-ins. There's a 5K run. There's a beauty pageant. Um, there's people dressed up as different cryptids. The moth, the moth, um, the men in black are there. The men in black. Um, it is a huge event for the town. Um, and then in the evening, there's a big bonfire, hayride. Live band. Live band. Yeah. Plenty to see and do there. Not on the scale of Burning Man, but Mothman is what draws people the folklore and the possibility that something of high strangeness is going on there. And one last detail, when this creature is not terrifying the local populace and visitors, where does it live? Probably in a parallel dimension. I'm just going to say it. That's what I think it is. It lives in a place where there's lots of Mothmen. And if humans happen to wander there, like Tanya and I possibly did, uh, we're the weird looking ones. So, <laughs> so I, I really, I don't believe it was a military experiment gone wrong. I don't believe it was a Sandhill Crane. I don't believe it was made up. Although there are some people from that town in that county that will say, Listen, I had a guy get nose to nose with me in the state capitol a number of years ago. I, I was teaching a civics uh, lesson and I said, I'm so excited. I'm going to Point Pleasant. He said, I'm from there. And that was all BS. But he didn't use the initials and he was hot. So it's controversial. Yet you have this. It's it's a great small town. It's got a beautiful Main Street antique stores, quaint shops, an art gallery, uh, the Mothman Museum and soon to be. Uh, an escape room above the museum, all about all this lore that we've been talking about and history. So it, I highly, highly recommend it. And you are the gentleman who is designing the escape room for the Mothman Museum, yes? Uh, yes, sir, I am, yes. Oh, uh, and it is going to be a treat. This is my fourth design. Um, I've done one for Scotland, two for North Carolina. And uh, this is going to be a treat, folks. Come out, come out and do this thing come, the, come Memorial Day weekend. Mothman and more, Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Tanya, Joey, Medea, thank you, folks, for joining us once again. We will do another one of these when we find another spooky place to visit with all the history that you folks chronicle. Thanks so much. Thanks, thank Gary. You, Gary. We will be right back after a word from Alert Drops. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days. And I want to bring attention to a life-saving product called Alert Drops. Drowsy driving is one of the most catastrophic problems in America. And Alert Drops will stop it. Kids studying in college, drinking too much caffeine, overloading on these energy drinks. They end up in the hospital. Alert Drops will stop it. What is Alert Drops? Alert Drops is a simple spray on the tongue made out of citric acid, sour lemon, and water, co-created with my uncle, Dr. Henry Heimlich, creator of the Heimlich Maneuver, who said, Anson, alert drives will save more lives than the maneuver. Whether you are driving, whether you are studying, whether you're just a tired mom, whenever you need to be alert, get alert drops. A simple spray on the tongue, nothing in your system, and you're naturally awake, naturally alert. It's scientifically proven. It's doctor approved. Again, it's natural. It's been honored by the United States Congress. Go to alertjobs.com. Very important. Go to alertjobs.com and stay safe. Thank you for tuning into American Road Trip Talk, along with Thomas and Becky Rep, co-founders of American Road Magazine. We remind you to visit our website, AmericanRoadMagazine.com, to preview the current issue. 
Until next time, dream well and drive safely on the American road.